Well, amen. I said it in the first service, so I want to say it again. Don't we just have the best worship band in the business? They are just phenomenal. Would you go ahead and grab a seat this morning? And as you do, would you pray with me, please? Lord God, I just thank you for this place, and I thank you for this energy. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you, you just minister to us, minister to me here this morning, Lord. God, I thank you for everyone here in this room. And as we, uh, as we talk about some tough stuff this morning, as we talk about times of uh, trial and suffering and pain, hurt, loss, tragedy, God, I pray that you would just send us your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would do a healing work on us. And as some of us might be uh, unearthing some pain and some hurt that we buried a long time ago, Lord, I, I just pray that you would walk with us. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we need you. God, may it be your words that are spoken here this morning and not mine. It's your precious Son's name we all pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, normally I, I like to open with you with a, uh, a funny story where I kind of make fun of myself a little bit, but uh, this morning we're talking about some tough times, and we're taking a look at uh, two guys that were really having uh, the toughest weekend of their lives, and as we kind of uh, open this up, and as I've been kind of praying about these things over the past week, I was reminded that uh, I'm not really a stranger to tragedy uh, or pain in my life. Uh, many of you know that my childhood, we had a, a house with, uh, filled with alcoholism and abuse, and my mom, she really did a great job uh, doing her best to protect me from that, but it really did take a, a hit on her family. And if you want to look at the definition of a broken family, that's definitely mine growing up. I have family members and siblings that are spread all over, and many of which I don't really have contact with. And for a long time, I had a lot of hurt and a lot of pain that I buried down deep within that all that did was just turn into kind of anger and frustration. But praise God, He's good, and He's really uh, brought me through that time, really healed me from that. But I can remember that it was a little bit more than two years ago now that my family and I, we went through the, the toughest time of our lives. I had left my job and moved in with my in-laws uh, because my best friend, my mentor, my father-in-law, uh, he had been diagnosed with terminal lymphoma. And man, was it a tough time. And uh, as I kind of watched him go downhill, and, and many people don't even know that uh, I would carry him, I would pick him up and walk him to the car, and I could feel tumors riddled on his back. And, and I watched this man that had completely changed my life just kind of wither away. I had no direction after he died. I remember that. And we, my wife especially, we, we, we really felt uh, kind of hopeless. I was jobless. I had a family to provide for. I didn't know which way to go. And, uh, and it was this, just the toughest time I've ever been through. Now, I know many of you in this room have been through a lot of tough times. You've walked through tragedy yourself. You've walked through pain. And if you haven't, I just want you to brace yourself because uh, even the Bible says that tough times are coming. Uh, Jesus warned us in, in John 16, verse 33, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me, but here on earth... You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In my years in ministry, both young people and old people I've been able to walk with, and I've walked with people that have gone through abuse, physical, verbal, even sexual. I've prayed with people who are grieving over the loss of a loved one. I've talked with many people that have broken friendships, 
people that have stabbed them in the back and they don't understand why. My wife and I have journeyed with a lot of couples who have trouble having children or have had pregnancy losses. I've known people that have had accidents and have lost the use of their body. I've known people who have gone through broken marriages or suffer from a lot of pain from broken families. And so there's these trials and sorrows that Jesus talks about that we journey through in life. But let me share with you once again the promise that he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And that's the kind of thing we're going to talk about here this morning. I'm really excited to be able to share with you this morning this encounter with Jesus. It's one of my most favorite. If you're looking in your Bibles, uh, there's, there's usually a header to this story, and it's called The Road to Emmaus. But I really think they ought to change the title from The Road to Emmaus to The, the Road to Healing. Because what we see is these two guys, these two disciples of Christ, who are going through the toughest times of their life. But we also find that God shows up and ministers to them. During this time, their best friend, their teacher, their master had been brutally murdered, had been crucified. And then they woke up one morning to learn that his body was missing. And in their minds, they probably thought that it was stolen as if the punishment hadn't ended, had an end there. They felt that everything they had devoted themselves to what they had made their entire lives about, what they left their jobs for, what they left their families for, was destroyed. Their entire organization. The group of disciples that they would have called their family, that they spent all this time with, were now scattered. And their very belief in Jesus, as we'll read today, who He was, who He said He was, their very belief in Jesus would have been challenged. I wonder if when you've walked through times of tragedy and suffering and pain, if you too, like me, your very belief is being challenged. What I'd like to do this morning is is read through this story. We're going to put the, the words on the screen, and you could follow along with me as I read. That same day, that's Easter Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. You know, when we go through tough times, we often don't see God walking right there with us. Sometimes, like in this story, God chooses not to reveal himself right then and there so that maybe we might learn something. But sometimes we don't see God because we're really not looking for Him. And I think most times, I know in my life, I don't see Him because I forget to ask Him for help. But in verse 17, Jesus asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. I love this. Because they say to Jesus, you must be the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on. And I think Jesus is thinking, well, actually, I think I'm the only one in Jerusalem who knows what's going on. (laughs) But he plays along. In verse 19, he says, what things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. 
But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. Then, some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus gets a little frustrated here because these guys followed him around for years, listened to what he had to say, devoted themselves to his teachings, yet they missed it. But God, being full of grace, decides to take them through it again. And what Jesus does is really give them an old-fashioned Bible study. The walk to Emmaus was uh, seven miles and at a, at a moderate pace, pace, that was about two hours worth of a, a Bible study. And Jesus took these guys from the first Passover through the prophets, looking at all the promises that God gave to save his people from oppression, sin, and death. This next part's my favorite. Verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if he were going on. I love this, that, that Jesus was hunting for an invitation. And he kind of acted as if he was going along the road. Oh, you guys have a great day. Uh, you know, and, and, and instead, he got this invitation. They, they begged him in in verse 29. Stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Jesus, over a meal, reminded them of what he said at that first communion, that last supper. Do this and remember that my body was broken for you. Remember that my blood was shed for you. And it was in that moment that they remembered and realized who he was. Then finally, in verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. So, what did they do? They ran home and told everybody about what had happened. Now, if you've heard this story before, like, like I have, I think we're in danger of missing so much of what's truly happening. Why? Because we know the big picture. We know that Jesus is alive. We know that Jesus had risen. And what we might miss is the way that God ministered to these guys during a time of tragedy. If you look closely, you'll find seven steps along the road to healing. Seven steps that outline the way that you and I can work together with God through suffering. And at the end, we're left with something amazing. A beautiful gift. So let's dig in. 
Here's the first step if you're taking notes this morning. Along the road to healing, the first step is to journey with friends. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. When you go through tough times, do you surround yourself with friends? Or perhaps a better question is, do you have the type of friends who will surround you during those tough times? You know, we are made by God. We are hardwired and designed for relationships. We were hardwired and designed to do life together. But we live in a world that I'm sure you've experienced a lot of brokenness when it comes to our relationships and it comes to our friendships. Some search for friends in all the wrong places. We recognize this need to be with other people, so we we kind of sell ourselves short and we find friends that kind of tear us down rather than build us up. Or sometimes it's our busy schedules in this culture that's fueled by Red Bull and Starbucks that gets in the way of our relationships. Right? We're, we're super busy, so busy that we really don't have time to go through tragedy ourselves, let alone walk with somebody else who's going through it. You know, I work with teenagers for a living. i got to tell you, they are the busiest people on the planet. I used to uh, have a guy in my youth group that played on three different soccer teams. I almost never saw him. And then there was uh, another church I worked at where I thought, I'm going to fix this situation. And I I built a program that met at 5.30 in the morning on Wednesday so I could have breakfast with some kids before school. But even then, there were some teens uh, who took what was called an early bird class and couldn't make it to that. I'm just... uh, never uh, surprised by how busy our generations are getting time after time as the years go by. Social networking, which should be a thing that help us connect with one another a little bit better, I think actually puts up some boundaries with our friendships. Right now we're able to post on somebody's Facebook wall, you know, sorry for your loss, or I'm here for you. In other words, I'm way over here for you. Rather than, you know, writing a card or or even just showing up for a visit. It's too easy and we say that we're too busy. Or maybe you're like me and I'm really like this and you just don't want to share your pain with others. Right? Maybe you just don't want to burden others. Maybe you're noble like that. Or maybe you've been burned in the past and, you know, when you've reached out for help before. Or maybe you're really like me and you just don't like to talk about feelings and stuff. Right? (laughs) Because I've been there many times. Now, I've found in in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, women are usually better at this than men. Because women are sharers, and men tend to be storers. I take my feelings and stuff, and I put it in a box, and I put it up in a shelf, and maybe I might deal with that later. I know this guy uh, here at this church who uh, once told me that he really likes to minister to men around a campfire. And he likes to do that because he could talk to guys and they could kind of open up and they never have to look at each other in the eye because they could look at the fire, right? And I know that that's true. I've seen that happen. And, and what this story tells me is that we all have a need for this, no matter who you are. We have a deep need to connect with others. Now, some can go longer distance than others, but in the end, we need to connect because we were designed by God to do it. And not only were we designed for it, but we were also commanded to do it. God says to us through Paul in Galatians 6, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, 
you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. It's a little to the jaw right there, but it's true. Sometimes we say, oh, you know, I just can't get there. I just can't do that. I just can't help that person because I'm too busy. But really what we're saying is I'm too important to be able to do that. When we ask others for help, we provide them with an opportunity to be blessed by God. But the reverse is true. When we don't ask others for help, we deny them that opportunity to be blessed by God. The first step to the road to healing is to journey with others. But the second is really important. And that's to remember that even when you can't see God in your suffering, He is there. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing Him. I used to really struggle with this passage when I read it. I used to wonder why when Jesus showed up, why wouldn't He just put their worries to rest right then and there and say, hey, it's me. It's all good. Everything's okay. But yet, they, kept, he, they were kept from recognizing Him. And when I read over it this past week, I really realized that Jesus not being revealed is exactly what most of us go through when we go through times of tragedy and despair. That we don't see how God is working. And we wonder, we cry out, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Where are you in this? How can you let me go through this? I don't understand. How could you have abandoned me? You know, when tragedy strikes, it feels like God abandons us. When we go through pain, pain often blinds us from seeing the way that God is right there walking with us. I was reminded this past Good Friday that that even Jesus was in pain on the cross, and even he cried out to the Father, God, where are you? In Matthew 27, it says this, about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma, sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You know, my father-in-law died. Well, truthfully, even still to this day, I wonder, God, what what were you doing? Why did you let this happen? This was a a great man, a great pastor who took a a church of 200 people to almost 2,000 people. And he was my father-in-law, and I I can remember even trying to find fault in him. (laughs) He was such a good guy. He was nearly faultless. Never wronged anyone in his life. And I would wonder, God, why did you do this? It's really tough to remember that Jesus is walking right alongside you during these tough times. That's why God's word can be such a source of comfort. And that's our third step. The third step on the road to healing is to find comfort in God's word. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When you dig into God's word, did you know you could find over seven thousand promises for your life. Promises for hope, promises for a plan, promises for a future. Now we offer suffer from fear and anxiety because we don't know what's covered. We don't know what's covered in God's promise plan. A couple of months ago, my wife uh, had this horrible, horrible tooth pain. 
And uh, for a couple of weeks, I mean, she really suffered. She was really complaining about this tooth pain. And uh, she was trying to find a dentist that could, that could squeeze her in, that could do something about it. And she finally found, found one after two weeks. And being the sensitive guy that I am, I put my arm around her shoulder and I said, Honey, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> and she was able to get in and get her tooth fixed. But before that, what we did was we, we wanted to find out, is our insurance going to cover this, right? And when we found out that it was, you know, my, at least my anxiety and fear was put to rest. And that's the same with us. You know, we still have to walk through the painful times, but when we see what God's promises cover in our lives, we know we're covered. That we can, our anxiety, our fear can be put to rest. Let me read to you one of God's promises in times of tragedy. You could find this in Isaiah 43. Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When we go through tragedy, we can find comfort in God's Word. When it seems like God is not with us, we can still find comfort in God's Word. Did you know that uh, dozens of times God promises in His Word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yet sometimes I feel like it's kind of the opposite. That sometimes we kind of leave God. We kind of walk away from God during times of tragedy. And that's our fourth step. To invite God in. Jesus acted as if He were going on. But they begged Him. Stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. You know, when times get tough, we often shut the door on God. We find it tough to to see God in the midst of tragedy in the first place. So we turn to the world's ways for comfort. Alcoholism, wild parties, affairs. If you're like me, binge-watching Netflix till late at night. In other words, neglecting our responsibilities. Anything to feel numb. Now, we don't jump into these things head first. What we do is we're searching for comfort or we're searching for a a new feeling or a lack of feeling. Nobody good wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'm going to cheat on my wife today. Nobody does that. What we do is we walk down these paths that we begin to forge for ourselves. Did you know that God desires to provide for you? All throughout Scripture, we find God striving to provide for His people. But instead, God's people often reject Him and try to provide for themselves. I found this Scripture this week, and I just think it's amazing. Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. You know, when God's people were roaming Through the desert for 40 years, they had no choice but to rely upon God's provision. They had no other option. It was only God that would provide for them day by day. But as soon as they entered the promised land, we read about how they abandoned God to provide for themselves. Gang, you and I, we live in the promised land. It was my birthday a couple of weeks ago, and I'm always reminded at birthday or Christmas time, people will say, hey, Doug, I want to get you something special. What do you want? And I often say nothing 
not because I'm humble, I really want stuff. It's usually because I've already bought it for myself. I wonder if you're like that, right? We live in a, a place where we provide for ourselves. And if you're fortunate enough to have a job, you could just walk down to the grocery store. I was at Whole Foods yesterday. This place is amazing. They had a, a live band in Whole Foods while people were grocery shopping. It was amazing. I remember watching this documentary uh, about some missionaries who went to South America, and they brought back this tribal leader who had never experienced civilization or technology, and he could not process McDonald's. He could not process driving through the fast food line and just handing somebody a piece of plastic and then receiving uh, food that you didn't have to grow or, or work for or slaughter. Now, am I encouraging Christians to be freeloaders? Absolutely not. But we need to remember that God provided the blessing for us to work. That God provides for every need. And in times of trouble, God will provide for us then too. If we invite Him in. Philippians 4 says this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. When we invite God in, we begin to remember what He has done for us already. And that's our fifth step. To remember what God has done. As they sat down to eat, He took the bread and blessed it. Then He broke it and gave it to them. You know, during tough times, it's really difficult to be thankful. But remembering what God has done in your life already is the best way to find hope for your future. When we're thankful, we give God praise. And another word for that is worship. When we're thankful, we praise God for what He has done in our lives. When Jesus broke the bread just as we're going to break bread later in this service. He reminded them. He reminded them that God is good. That God has a plan. He reminded them of what God has already brought them through. That God has paid a price for us. And because of His sacrifice, we will spend eternity in paradise with Him. When we begin to remember what God has done, we then begin to see God revealing Himself during our times of trouble and sorrow. And that's our sixth step. To look for God to reveal Himself. It says suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. He had been there all along, but suddenly they were able to recognize how God had been working. When God allows something to happen in our life, He usually does it for a multitude of reasons. And lots of those reasons we don't get to understand. I know that even when I still wonder what God was doing in my life a little over two years ago, I don't really understand. But some of those reasons can be revealed over time. I'm thankful that I get to stand here in this place, that I get to work in this amazing church, that I get to know all of you. I'm thankful for all of that, and none of that would have happened if it wasn't for the time that my family and I went through a couple of years ago. Many of you have walked through tragedy, and you've seen how God was working in your life during that difficult time. And I've known many who have come to Christ because of the way that He's delivered them from their suffering. Bear with me. I work with teenagers for a living. Would you take your hand and put it real close right in front of your face? When you do that, it's really difficult to, to understand that that's your hand, right? There's, it's, you're overwhelmed. There's too much detail. But if you take your hand and you begin to pull it away, you can make it out. You can understand that that's your hand. 
There are many things that we're not going to understand until one day we die and we get to stand before the Lord and He reveals the big picture of His plan all along. But some things we can begin to understand as we move away from times of tragedy. You know, my wife and I, we had a, we had a lot of trouble uh, having kids. We had a lot of trouble getting pregnant and it, it really took a toll on our marriage. We went through a really big roller coaster ride. We suffered pregnancy loss. We lost a couple of children. It was a really, really tough time in our lives. But now I could look back and I could see how God has blessed us. Just yesterday, I got to watch my twin girls, Ella and Kira, play on the, on the slide and eat a picnic with them. And it was, I was just reminded of how amazing God is and how He could bring us through these times. We didn't name our kids when they were born because they were born so early. We, we kept arguing over what to name them. We didn't know what to name them. And uh, I remember uh, they had been alive for, 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 uh, uh, and, and in this world for, for three, four days, and they didn't have a name yet. And the nurses were yelling at me, like, you've got to name these children. And uh, so I remember being in, in our, our hospital room, and, uh, and I told the nurses, don't let anybody in. I shut the door. I said, no visitors. And uh, being a, a really type A guy like I am, I pulled in a whiteboard, and I had some markers, and I sat down with my wife, and I said, okay, we are not leaving this place till we name these kids. And we spent some time working on it, and it was really kind of cute how it worked out. My, my wife named our firstborn, Ella, and I ended up naming our, our secondborn, Kira. Well, later, I, I was kind of looking up what these names mean, and, and Ella, uh, in Hebrew, is short for Eliana, which means, my God has answered me. And it's like God has brought us through this journey of pain, and He has given us an answer. And then Kira, in Greek... Is short for Kyrie Eliezer. Many of you know the 80s song. It means, Lord, have mercy. And it's like asking God to bless our future journey, praising God for the, the journey He's brought us on, but asking Him to continue to go with us. There's one more step on the road to healing. It's probably the most important, but it's the one that we, we often forget. Step seven is to share your story to help others. Verse 33 says, They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. These two guys took their story and brought it back to their family who was going through an equally rough time and they shared their story to bring them comfort. When God delivers us from suffering, the story doesn't end there. He's provided us with a beautiful gift. Not a gift for ourselves, but a gift for others. A story. A story of how God rescues, of how God delivers, of how God provides. And someday, someone will cross your path needing to hear your story. Someone who may be searching for a friend in step one to be able to, to journey with. And you can be there to help them. I have a gift for you this morning. It's a pearl. And after we take communion, uh, when you take communion, you'll get up, and as you walk to the ends of the aisles, we've got a couple of wonderful people who will hand you one of these. Now, they're not real pearls. I, I can't afford that. I'm sorry. They're plastic. But do you know how a pearl is made? An oyster gets a piece of dirt or, or sand that's not supposed to be there inside of it. And it doesn't have the power to get rid of it itself. And this oyster secretes a liquid uh, called necker. 
And he begins to work over this piece of sand, this piece of dirt that's not supposed to be there. And it takes some time, months, even, even years. But what happens through this process is a beautiful gift is made. Something that people search all over the world to be able to find. This pearl. You know, in the same way, you and I, we have hurts, we have pain, we have trouble, we have sorrow. Things that are in our hearts that just aren't supposed to be there. God didn't originally design it that way. But if we allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, if we allow God to work over these hurts and these pains and these sorrows, it may take some time, it may take some months, maybe even years, but sooner or later we'll be left with a beautiful gift, a story to be able to share with someone else going through similar times. So as you get your pearl this morning, maybe you fall into one of two camps. Maybe one, you're going through something right now. You're going through a tragedy. You're going through pain. It's hard for you to see God. And I would ask you that you put this pearl in a place you're going to find it, in your pocket, on your nightstand, on your desk at work maybe. And it would remind you to invite God in. To remember that God is really wanting to provide for you. That He's wanting to walk this journey with you. Or maybe you're someone who's already been through some times of tragedy or hurt. And you have a beautiful story to be able to share with others. A story of how God has provided for you. How God has rescued you. If that's you, then you, you can take this pearl and you now have a great conversation starter. To be able to, to find someone going through something similar and say, Hey, do you know how a pearl is made? Let me tell you about a story of how God has rescued me and how He can rescue you too. Let's pray to this God who rescues us. Lord God, I just thank You so much for this place and this time. God, as I pray about my own journey, I just, uh, I just thank You. I thank You for how You rescue us through times of suffering and tragedy. Lord God, I just pray that Your Holy Spirit would go with us. Lord God, if people are, are in this uh, room and they've, uh, maybe they're going through something right now, Lord, I just pray that You would deliver them from that. God, that You would teach them how uh, You just want to provide. You just want to help. And all we have to do is take these hurts and these pains that we've buried deep down within our hearts and surrender them to You. Or God, maybe uh, there's someone in this room who's uh, already, already been through something just really tragic, but they've able to kind of look back and see how you've walked with them, see how you've helped them, how you've uh, been on the road all along. God, I pr- pray that you would just uh, bring faces to our hearts of others we know that are going through tough times, that we might be able to walk alongside them And share this beautiful gift of a story with them as well. We need you this morning, Lord. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.